You're listening to the Soakin' Community Podcast. Your favorite source for gaming, film, and internet debate starts now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Soakin' Podcast. I'm your host, T, and with me are Jace and Leo. Jace, Jason! Hello, Leo. This is, uh, well, this is it, guys. This is the end of our, our seasonal run. How do I say goodbye? Till next season. If my heart shall go on, starts playing in the background, we'll, uh, just, just forgive us a little bit. That's me and Kanan's song. <laughs> Gross. Anyway, are there any highlights you guys would like to share for a recording session these last few months? Uh, one of the funniest moments for me was when Jay shouted out when I asked about what the name of the condition was. <laughs> when someone's head is too big and their eyes are too big. Oh man, that was funny. <laughs> we had to bleep that, so let's try that again. Oh, that's right, no. <laughs> that part didn't there. That's right. <laughs> oh, that was funny. that out are we editing this out too since it's a flashback that didn't flash? I, I just feel like one of our missed opportunities was, you know, it was a it was a good long season and everything, but we, we never talked about Star Wars. And I feel like we could have taken we a did. little time out we, to talk about Star Wars. <laughs> we missed that opportunity. You're totally right. There's just so much that's been going on with Star Wars. And I feel like, you know... It, it it's all there for the taking and here we've just completely skipped over it i do have to say that one of my highlights is it wasn't necessarily a topic i mean sure i love talking about tom holland that's always fun i liked talking a little bit about the expanse on that one show because the expanse is my fave but just hanging out with you guys and our our illustrious crew in the background old rut and sill <laughs> that sounds like a dirty movie rut and sill but it's been really great. I like you guys, and it's fun to do this. It's fun to get in here and just horse around. It sounds like a uh, like a deer hunting season. It's rut and sill time. I actually went and watched first couple of episodes of The Expanse because you liked it so much. And did you like it? Uh, I enjoyed it. It was significantly more existential horror than I had been initially expecting, which like I wasn't opposed to. I definitely went, oh okay. Uh, it gets even okay. more so. That first season especially gets even more so. Existential horror. That isn't what I would have used to describe it, but I think that fits it really well. No, it's a good, it's a good show. All right. Well, today we are not talking about The Expanse, so maybe we will next season. For today, in our season four finale, we're talking about brand deals in gaming, the upcoming Picard series, and filling the quota one last time, The Rise of Skywalker. So advertisements are everywhere. They're inescapable pop-ups, all sorts of other things that we've just gotten used to. Uh, but another frontier that they've expanded into relatively recently has been into video games. Brand deals have been taken in exchange for sponsorship towards the game. So some examples are small, like you might just see a certain Soda Empire's vending machine in the background of one of your levels, but others are a lot bigger, like uh, everything Fortnite has done with new Disney movies. 
Recently, even Tom Clancy's Breakpoint added in features from the Terminator franchise as a brand deal with the new film. In cases like these, where the game and the films have been established as existing in different realms, and very different realms at that, is it stretching for them to be related in these sponsorships, or do you think that any brand can sponsor any game and it wouldn't really matter? I think it, uh, I don't know, as with most things, it, it depends on scale and it depends on how egregious um, those kinds of crossovers can be. Um, Breakpoint, as far as I'm aware, is set in, um, it's, it's set in Earth and our reality. Um, so having the Terminator referenced, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if that's too crossing over. If you do the Terminator in like Elder Scrolls, in an Elder Scrolls game, that's probably a little bit too far. So sensitive about his Elder Scrolls, he won't even let us have dragons without complaining about it. It's just the Terminator. You don't know. Maybe that alien, maybe that that future robot. Hey, don't we have robots anyways? Like, we isn't have Aaron and a robot. Maybe Stop she's Aaron nope, is Michael a Terminator. <laughs> maybe I don't he's have just a problem. A really weird vampire. Maybe. Uh... Here, here's the tea for me. I don't have a problem with advertising ooh, advertising being in games because I know that these games aren't real and I know that money is what makes them good. So for someone to get a sponsorship to make a game that I like be better, I'm not going to pick it apart because perhaps it might pull me out of the moment a little bit. Sure, I'm with, I'm with Leo on the fact that I agree. If it makes sense in the world, Detroit become human. You have a, a Coca-Cola coca-cola machine in the background you know you may not even notice it but it's there and it kind of might add a little bit of reality and immersion even in that instance there are other places where it would absolutely break your immersion but i'm not gonna freak out about it i i know that these these developers do this to make money and i say let them yeah i mean as a guy um in my in my real life um i do a little bit of uh, marketing and and brand recognition work for the credit union that I work for. And I actually think these kinds of sponsorships are kind of brilliant um, to be able to get your brand integrated into something that people are playing. I don't know. I, I, I think it's a really cool idea um, for recognition. Now, again, within reason, so long as it matches the, I don't know, the landscape of the game, it's fine. Something like Fortnite. I mean, it's it's a silly, goofy, you know, whatever kind of game anyway. So putting Star Wars characters, I mean, who cares? You could put Care Bears in there. And, like, <gasps> that'd be fun. Care Bear Stare. <laughs> yeah, Care Bear Stare weapon. Yeah, it'd be great. Man, I remember that show. <laughs> Fairly early days of my childhood. Uh, so do you think that, you know, it, this this happens in fighting games a lot because, like, we'll, we'll see them added across different franchises, but they are still the same genre of game and they're both games. So it sometimes it's just kind of like a cool trade-off. Uh, but when you when games pull in popular franchises as sponsors, so with Disney characters, Star Wars characters in Fortnite, do you think that Fortnite is trying to get publicity from Disney or that Disney is trying to get publicity through Fortnite? Hmm. So with with these kinds of um, with these kinds of marketing opportunities, um, I think these are uh, mutually beneficial arrangements. That's actually another part of what I get to do with the credit union I work for in real life. Um, we offer sponsorships and things like that with um, a number of our partners, but uh, we're also interested in trying to make them as mutually beneficial as possible. And I think these are the same thing. 
um, uh, with with the instance that that you mentioned, T, Fortnite trying to um, get Disney customers and Disney customers trying to get Fortnite customers, it's it's mutually beneficial. I I, I don't see one existing without the other existing. Uh, yeah, I would say that it works, and if something works, it's not stupid. Um, <clears throat> I I want to say when it, I think it was Endgame, it might have been Infinity War, but I think it was Endgame when it came out. Uh, Fortnite brought in a Thanos character to play, and I was real confused by this because this was kind of like when Fortnite was just on the periphery of my uh, my internet meme understanding, and I, I knew it was there, but I really didn't understand what the hell the big deal was. But I, then I, I suddenly became aware that Thanos is in Fortnite, and this piqued my interest enough that I began to Google and find stuff out. Now, <laughs> it didn't make me interested enough to, to log in and play or to pay any money to uh, to play the game, but I think that's the type of thing that y you you gain exposure by putting yourself in something that's already really cool and fun and popular. And it worked for me. It worked on me. And I actually teach a class on how to resist advertising, so I fell for it. Yeah, we teach a similar class. I think um, don't don't fall for every single little every single little thing. Um, yeah. Spend your money wise. I mean, we're financial literacy is a huge deal for us. So yeah, I, I teach you resist it. To hey, we do eighth graders. Ah, we're we're actually a teachers credit union, so we teach a lot of students. I think we talked about Fortnite more than like any other non-franchise game. Didn't we? Isn't that weird? It's just it's Zeitgeist, man. Yeah, and have any of us played it? Not a second. Nope. No. Yeah, now, I have, crazy. I've been in the room while people played it because during, um, uh, long story short, went to hang out with family during one of the holidays, and my nephews were playing it, and I watched them play it. So I've been around. I've been present while the game was actually being played. <laughs> it was in the room. <laughs> <laughs> I actually watched them. I've been Fortnite adjacent. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've never even seen it played. Um, I've only seen like commercials of it and stuff, but it, it really is a cultural phenomenon. Right, off topic. Uh, so then, in that case, where do you guys think the line is between an Easter egg and something that disrupts your immersion? An Easter egg is fun. Easter egg gives you a little, oh, oh look what they did. Moment. Something that breaks immersion is like, this doesn't belong here at all. I can't understand why this this Dunmer is putting quarters into a change machine where that says Coca-Cola. You know, like there's a huge difference between between what is kind of a cute little wink to the audience and a big F you to the audience. If you want to yeah. wreck someone's immersion and lore, you can well put a put a vending machine in a Tamriel. I mean that would that would wreck it. But if you want to do something really cute and maybe add a line into some dialogue that is something that we know um, is a, a famous tagline, I'm loving it, for instance, McDonald's, you know, we'd smile and nod and wink at that. That's fine. As long, I think that it's a matter of respect. If you respect the, the material, uh, the, the game material or the world material, then, then I think most people are going to be okay with it. I think another another aspect of an Easter egg is that it's it's one of those things that you kind of have to know what the Easter egg is about in order to get it. I don't I don't know if sponsorships 
are wise to even go that direction for for what I would consider an Easter egg. To me, that's one of those things where you uncover, you know, some obscure reference to a meme or to another game or to, you know, something that only those who are, quote, in the know would appreciate. That doesn't really fit the, the mold of what I'd consider an advertisement. Um, if I'm going to advertise, I want it plain as day what it is that, you know, I, I want people to be aware of or to know of. And it doesn't really fit that. Um, it doesn't fit even for that category. So I don't know. I, I'm not sure that there really is a fine line between those two because they seem completely different in, to me. Well, there is a difference between, say, an ad and product placement. And I think that if you've got the opportunity to place your product or at least place the um, the feeling of your product into a video game world, but you don't actually put up an advertisement for that product, I mean, that's a difference. That's a very distinct, different kind of thing. Yeah, maybe I'm being too specific about what I would consider an Easter egg. Like to me, an Easter egg is a reveal for, um, you know, folks who are paying attention and who know either an aspect of development or know a little bit about what the thing is being referenced. Like, to me, those are little fun things for super nerds. Um, not, what did not you just call me? <laughs> what did you mean? We're two peas in a pod here, Jace. Um, All right, that's what I like to hear. <laughs> but the um, the idea that a company would pay for that kind of thing, I, I, I don't think that that's... It, it, to me, they're different. Like a product placement is one thing, an advertisement is another. But an Easter egg, I'm not gonna. Uh, thinking about it professionally, I'm not gonna pay somebody to give some obscure reference to, you know, my my product in some out of the way arena of of some kind. Um, somebody has to unlock some secret room, and then they get, oh no, there's a there's an advertisement here. To me, that just that doesn't make much sense. To unlock the secret vending machine room. <laughs> yeah, right. And then you're done, Merkin. Use a quarter <laughs> to, to get that cuckoo cola. <laughs> Guys, find art of uh, of Dunmer drinking Coca Cola. He should he should send that to us. Tweet that at us. <laughs> no, please don't. Fan art. Don't ruin my immersion. So yeah, some of these sponsorships may wind up being annoying and out of touch, but the sponsors do make products happen, and without them a lot of our favorite things wouldn't exist. And on a completely unrelated note, this episode of Soaking Podcast is brought to you by... Uh, no, we are... we are not sponsored. It's, we're not legally allowed to say that someone is sponsoring us and then not clearly remind you that it is a joke, and very much a joke, but... Are we sponsored podcast. by Molin? This makes us amateurs instead of professionals, right? (laughs) You guys are getting paid. Uh, Moving on. On January 23rd, CBS All Access premiered the first episode of their new Star Trek series, Picard. We're going to keep this introduction brief because I have heard that there's some opinions that have been expressed. Opinions. Obviously, some old school fans of Star Trek have apparently had some some mixed feelings about what we've seen in the series so far. Obviously. Uh, in, in 
part because of one might consider uh, wokeness or political correctness about the series, although others are feeling some nostalgia that radiates from it. Do you think Picard is banking on getting old Star Trek fans like Jace watching, or trying to pull in new viewers, or both to some extent? They, they have to do both. Like, that's the whole point, right? You, when you do something to either reboot or sequelize or prequelize, your goal is never just to say, oh, new audience. Your goal is always to, to pull in the people who were fans in the past and then create a whole new generation of fans for today so that your franchise has life. So your franchise can go on and on and on and on. I, I mean, personally, from my point of view, as an old school Star Trekker, this particular series is definitely more favorable, more uh, appetizing, more enticing to the old school. And I say old school with a little bit of tongue in cheek because old school is really Kirk, Spock, 60s Trek. But this the 80s Next Generation Trek is, is old now. But really, Picard, when you call something Star Trek with the name of a character, you're going for that audience primarily who watched that character in his heyday. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason that it's named for Picard. It, it's it's definitely pulling those folks who are the next generation fans like myself. Um, and it's, it's <sighs> and we're going to get into it here in, in a bit, I'm sure. But it's, it's not paced like a next generation show. It's very, very different. It's, it's much more modern in the way that modern storytelling tends to be. Um, in that it's it's gritty and it's kind of I don't know it's it's a much more J.J. Abrams lens flare um, stab this guy kind of um, show than the old Star Trek used to be and that's more appealing to a modern audience so clearly there's an effort to pull in folks from both camps. Now we all love Sir Patrick Stewart. It's open. That's it's not not something that we're afraid to express, but. Do you guys think that launching a new series starring a 79-year-old man playing the same character he played when he was 50 is perhaps a little short-sighted? And do you think he's still got this character in him? I liked uh, in the first episode they they actually made they made an in-character reference to him being an elderly man. They were trying to run up a flight of stairs and he was like, "Hold on, man. Like this is this is tough." And the the Dodge that was with him had to run back and help him up the stairs. That's that to me was um, it was not only telling about the character being older, but a nod to the fact that uh, Patrick Stewart is an elderly gentleman these days. I'm not sure it was short-sighted. Um, uh, you you do run the risk, of course, with elderly actors of. Um, them perhaps passing in the midst of, of shooting but uh, you know frankly that's a risk you run with with any actor um, it's just a little bit more uh, uh, likely with somebody um, elderly I do still think he's got this character in him he seems sharp enough he seems um, he seems he seems good to play the older version of Picard that we knew so I, th I think I think it's it's all right. I am morally offended the question because do you think he's still got this character in him? It's an affront to all things decent. <laughs> Sir Patrick Stewart and Jean-Luc Picard are one in the same. 
and he brought so much of his gentlemanship and his his gravitas and his training to that role that that there is a hard time for, for there's a hard time for people like me who grew up on it to separate the two guys like i hear patrick stewart talking in an interview and i'm thinking they're interviewing jean-luc picard <clears throat> if when you hear him talk about jean-luc when you hear him talk about acting you know <clears throat> this character for him is a lot more than just a character on a page for him he it, well besides the fact that it really catapulted his career he had a long and successful career prior to star trek next generation but he really became a household name obviously during during the star trek run but but picard and him are very similar human beings very that they're wise and have strong intuition and believe in justice there's a strong moral principle core there that drives both of them so of course he's still got it within him the character he put so much of himself into the character of picard that i think that he it wouldn't matter how old the man is you know he he can he can pull picard out of his pocket at any time see i guess i have watched too much of family guy where picard is or picard oh man patrick stewart is also uh deputy director bullock in my head uh because in that, in that cartoon um he looks like patrick stewart but he's a bit of a lunatic sociopath and he does that well too it's hilarious honestly and I, I think it, it, it is a testament to how good an actor he is to be able to pull off such completely polar opposite roles. Um, but um, he's a good actor. So I think he did Picard well, just like he did Deputy Director Bullock hilariously. On American Dad. Oh, American Dad. I said Family Guy. Yes, <laughs> Not American a Family Dad, Guy. Sorry. You see, a true fan of Patrick Stewart <laughs> would know that. So... <laughs> The the truth of the matter is he is a fantastic actor. He is classically trained, and he can probably play anything. And I do think he has a a very strong sense of humor. When you hear him talk, he's funny. He's a funny guy, and he's he can be, I guess, uh, raucous or or, or uh, coarse. His his jests can be a little. I don't want to say over the line for somebody like me who doesn't really have a line. But yeah, he he's a funny guy. But that depth, I think, and I'm going to go back to the word gravitas, that's something Patrick Stewart brings to the role of Picard. And I don't know that anybody else back in the day or even now could come close to to being Jean-Luc Picard. They recast Kirk, for instance, with Chris Pine, and I think Chris Pine grabbed the swagger of Jim Kirk really, really well. Um, he, he has a similar look, uh, you know, but he, he doesn't necessarily look like the original Kirk. Uh, Bill Shatner, but honestly, I thought he did a great job with the role. If they tried to recast Picard, I don't know that they could do it. I don't know that anybody would buy it. Nobody else could step into the role of that particular captain and pull it off. I don't know. Let's not forget the gravitas that he also brought to the poop emoji. There's there's something about an actor that has the kind of class uh, that could do that and make poop noble 
as he did. I, I'm with you. I mean, there's no <laughs> disagreement here. I'm with you. <laughs> I do think that I do think though that there are other actors that can. Like McKellen is is, is an example. And, and granted, I, I know he's a he's a good friend of Patrick Stewart, but Ian McKellen is another one that I think has a similar gravitas and could could probably. Um, deliver the same. I, I don't disagree Patrick Stewart's a phenomenal actor and I don't disagree Jean-Luc Picard um, he, he's actually, he's my favorite Star Trek captain. Me too. Um, he, he's, he's actually um, a as a character uh, when I was getting um, commissioned as a lieutenant in the army, um, he's the kind of commander that I always aspired to be. He was um, humble in certain ways he was, he saw the advice of his um uh, his his direct uh, reports and um was fair and was was you know just an, an honorable decision maker and that was principled yeah very principled so he he was certainly a character that i admired and one that i uh, in my real life even aspired to be when it came to um military service and 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 even some sometimes out of that and i have no doubt that Patrick Stewart poured some of himself into that, but one can't forget he is an actor, and there's a certain amount of distance one must keep uh, from a character. It's funny that you say that because so so much of how I try to be a leader in real life is is what I would call a a, a, a boiling down of what of things that I learned from Jean-Luc Picard. Uh, oh, like, man. as far as yeah. any of the captains, he's the only one that I would really take that kind of mentorship from i don't know that Catherine janeway had it i don't know that cisco had it kirk you know he always wanted to have sex with women and i can't relate to that <laughs> no, <you> but <laughs> but john Luc picard like he had a set of principles and he let them lead him rather than him being the leader he had a set of principles that pulled him along but i loved his round table style too you know get everybody that's smart and genius around your table listen to what they have to say pick the best idea and then that's what we're going to go with and then i'll lead you based on what these experts have said i think that's a really really powerful way to lead and you know it wasn't always about his idea it wasn't always about what he thought was best he listened and some of my favorite scenes actually of those those of, of the original series are him listening to his uh, you know his bridge staff totally um, the best leaders are the ones who surround themselves with people who are smarter than they absolutely 100% so obviously we are thrilled to be more of character uh, especially with the role that it's played in shaping how I guess all three of us have really moved forward in our own lives but that said is this do we think that this is a story that needs to be told, or are they are we a little afraid of what they're gonna do with all this screen time that they've been slated for? Well, there's always the chance that they're gonna screw it up. That they're gonna go to the, the least common denominator. That they're gonna take the character that we all love and and put you know urine on his head and ruin it for us. Thus far, episodes one and two are out. Thus far, I am completely on board with where they are going and what they are doing. It is a wonderful show. I have enjoyed every moment of it. So I'm not too worried about it at this point. Let me put it like that. Honestly, I'm glad that um, Kathleen Kennedy is not in charge of this project. Oh, <laughs> or um, she would have for sure turned him into, into some douche canoe of the character that we knew. Um, I'm, not, I'm not as in love with the story um, as Jace is. To me, it's, 
it's a it's a real significant departure from the next generation and and granted that's for a lot of reasons um not the least of which is the the fact that audiences are they don't seem to be as interested in the kind of show that the next generation was um it was a show that kind of um it it, it challenged us morally it put dilemmas in front of an audience and it said what really is the right choice and and that to me was probably one of the most interesting uh, aspects of the show um, there was of course some some silliness with some of the science of it because the science simply doesn't exist for faster than light travel and, and, and a bunch of things that they had to kind of make pretend but for the science we know like they adhere to it um, pretty strictly this show doesn't it just throws it all out the window and they're like hey guess what a star goes supernova out of the blue and like everybody's surprised and we have to it's it's based on J.J. Abrams' silly movies and like it 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 it's in a different universe than the one I enjoyed, which held fast to known science and known rules of physics and reality, um, with the addition of hey this might be a thing in the future, um, and we've instead gone to crazy J.J. land without any regard for known reality. So first of all, J.J. doesn't understand how big space is. We see that in multiple instances in both Star Trek and Star Wars. And J.J. did make some mistakes. We can talk about Star Wars in a minute. But in Star Trek 2, he made some mistakes. Um, part of it was the hope of Star going supernova and having the potential to affect the whole galaxy. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Pe writers have tried to retcon it in the comics and say that it was a subspace explosion and thus that's the reason why it was so dangerous. However, the show, Picard, has retconned some of that bad science and made it more about the Romulan star that exploded and thus would make it make a lot more sense that it would threaten Romulus and Remus. Right, right, right. But it's still, it's still a star that went nova out of nowhere. And they had to, like, a star doesn't just go nova it takes thousands to hundreds of millions of years for a start like once it starts showing signs of it like it's not a it's not a surprise and but we don't know necessarily know why it, there are hints in some of the comic books that it was um, not a natural phenomenon and in we know for comics a, sure well i'm just saying and you know you can find canon where stars go supernova because of um because of some external factor in fact star trek generations um, one of the main plot points was that uh, that the the dude I can't think of his name Soren would had the technology to blow up suns and he would change the gravity of the galaxy so that the nexus would go where he wanted it to go. Right. I mean, there are definitely um, canon sources that show that the stars can blow, and we may not we may find out eventually in television rather than comics that it was not a natural phenomenon that doesn't sure. bother me too bad. It it's been implied that it was a natural phenomenon. It it hasn't been implied that it was a that it was anything that anybody forced to happen and, and if that happens okay big reveal ooh that'll be interesting but that just hasn't been the thing um there's there's that's not the only issue though with with just reality there, there's there's also a whole lot of just I, I guess like super modern takes on silliness like like picard hits his um communicator and he says don't hang up to the person on the other end like don't hang up like it's not a telephone and those kinds of like you never saw that in any of the other Star Treks. It's just a complete, um, I don't know, like silly modernization of what has been a futuristic um, sci-fi show. Not to mention even the 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 whole tone of Star Trek. It was Gene Roddenberry 
his idea was that humanity would evolve past a lot of our petty squabbles. This show embraces it, highlights it, makes it a focal point of, uh, of the show, and revolves around it completely. Like, it's, it's almost a total departure from Gene Roddenberry's idea of Star Trek. But that's not new. DS9 delved into Section 31 yes, that, decades that's, ago. That, we, that's we were when Gene Roddenberry about... stopped having an influence, and well, that made me sad. But regardless, the point of the matter is that Star Trek has diverged from Gene's original vision quite a long time ago. Deep Space Nine was the first series that launched after Gene died. And a lot of the themes there, and DS9 is some of uh, some Star Trek fans' favorite uh, favorite series. Wasn't mine, but a lot of people yeah, really like that particular either. Trek. <clears throat> it's a little darker, it's a little more real, and yeah, there is a little more... Mm, I guess questionable humanity ethics whereas he really guarded that and that was his vision i can respect where he was going i mean i get it you have a a certain core vision for what you want your uh your medium to tell and that is humanity has evolved past this i get it he that's where he was however it didn't stick it didn't last past his death unfortunately so so that was already starting to change the fact that the the storytelling style is different that's just because tv changed yeah, I, I don't disagree that that TV um, viewership uh, ha, have different expectations, and the way the way that shows are shown is different. I completely agree. Um, there were some elements of, of even Star Trek TNG that um, you know, as as certain actors were not doing the show anymore, you know, they had deaths and things like that that impacted this this series as a whole. So it wasn't completely like, oh, if you watch this episode, you'll have every idea of what's going on. There, there were some changes over time. Um, but yes, it was mostly um, standalone episodes. I, personally, and perhaps it's because of my generation, our generation, I don't know. <laughs> perhaps it's it's because I grew up on those shows and, and had such a high opinion of them that I prefer that. But that that's neither here nor there. The, the, the idea of the fact that the shows are slightly different isn't really the my main beef. I get that that's just times changing and audiences changing. It really is about the the whole tone of what was Star Trek is abandoned. The idea that they're like I, I like dark and gritty. I, I like The Witcher for it, and I like um, I, I even that that was one of the big differences between, in my opinion, Star Wars and Star Trek. Is Star Trek was the thoughtful um, you know uh, the thoughtful show where you're presented with things that are going to dig into your preconceptions and make you actually think about stuff. Star Wars was blasters and space wizards and like that was the action packed show. Well, well now we've 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 completely we've merged the two where Star Trek is now just Star Wars. About to do that in Picard though. I mean, we're about to talk about what it means to be a person, what it means to be a sentient being. We're going back to like the very seminal episode Measure of a Man in tng yeah i mean for two minutes in between fight scenes like it it's not it's it's just a completely different episode two barely had any fighting it was very cerebral it was very talky it was an episode in fact that was one of i don't want to say i had a criticism but something it was almost jarring that i noticed because the tone of episode one was very flash 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 big 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 go 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 we opened with a big fight scene we had a big fight scene. episode two was kind of slow in some ways where we 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 got a chance to dig into the the mind of the villain for instance and, and hear their perspective and it was a lot more talky i think even with that though it it, it really is just a departure from the optimism of of what was star trek 
um, Star Trek was about kind of the best of humanity, what humanity could be, and this is the worst of humanity. This is a hypocritical humanity. This is a uh, dark and gritty humanity um, where we really are the worst that we surmised. This is kind of a self-loathing um, Star Trek that I don't dislike necessarily, but Star Trek had always been hopeful. Star Trek had always been a point of optimism, and it just isn't now. And that I kind of makes is. me sad. I think that it still is. I still think that the principles of Jean-Luc Picard are going to win out. I think that the the understanding that humanities are, humanity is united towards one thing is going to be the thing that makes the show great, ultimately. There, there really isn't a oops. There is really isn't a darkness to humanity. Certainly, Starfleet has changed a bit, but we've always had those crap-ass admirals that would show up. I mean, that's all the way back to DOS. There hasn't been a really strong admiral that's that's a good guy ever. They, they always are kind of a bit too big for their bridge, bridges. But I think that the the idea that humanity is still able to succeed. In, attain greatness is still there you, like there's no war on earth it doesn't appear that we're we're having a lot of poverty on earth earth still appears pretty utopian in in terms of the, the vision in fact the main villains aren't even human the main villains up to this point that we can understand are romulan yeah but the 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 idea that humanity is morally right it, there, there's a there's a big difference in old star trek and new um, old had humanity making moral decisions and and I say humanity as as Starfleet because you know let's face it Starfleet does tend to make decisions for humanity but now they're making really questionable decisions and that's the whole reason that Picard left Starfleet now I'm not I'm not averse to changes in things I'm not averse to saying yeah things have shifted but this this is this is way it, it's a very significant departure from the 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 hopeful starfleet that uh, even a captain like picard might have a disagreement with on a particular mission like this was a sig like romulus was dying of course from a physically impossible surprise um no supernova star uh but then on top of that you have starfleet acting in a very non-starfleet way to say oh no these are our enemies this race of people are our enemies like eh, i'm not but sure that's not new i mean did you see the undiscovered country that was kind of the whole point of that movie yeah. as well that's that's original trek cast that's something they've been wrestling with for a while we have our awful impulses we have our awful inclinations and that's the point right you overcome them and, and i think are... that's and star trek has always had a dark side that the, the whole point of star trek to me isn't necessarily gene's vision it's the way that the stories impact what's happening in real life. And right now, you know, in, in the world, it's a relatively dark time to be on Earth. All right. Picard is currently slated for a two-season run, at least, on CBS All Access. We'll keep up with how the series goes, and we'll let you know how things seem to be shaken out. If you have thoughts on the series, though, please do let us know on Twitter with the hashtag SokinPodcast. guys the final go at our quota and we're uh tilting the windmills here but the rise of skywalker premiered in theaters on december 20th of last year 
and the reviews have been all over the place. With a Metacritic score of 54, an IMDb score of 6.9 out of 10, a Rotten Tomatoes rating of 52, and a Google user score of 75. I mean, that's... that's quite the gamut. It's... It may seem that those numbers really aren't that far apart with a total of uh, maybe a 20% difference, but especially for movies, that's actually a really wide margin of variance. Uh, nobody's saying it's the worst movie ever made, but no one seems to be saying it's the best. But there's still a, a lot of divide there. So to start us off, do you guys think that some of the backlash this film is getting is leftover hatred from The Last Jedi, or has it earned its own displeasure? I think it's a healthy degree of both. Um, first of all, The Last Jedi was hot garbage, and it deserves all the hate that is heaped upon it, and I think anything that is a result of The Last Jedi deserves residual hate. Let the dark side fuel you. Um, but I do think that this movie has its own flaws, and I do think that it deserves some of its own criticism because of it. Now, that's not to say J.J. Abrams didn't have his work cut out for him to try and make a good movie out of the steaming pile of garbage that was left him um, from The Last Jedi, but he still made a strange movie that was like four movies all jammed into one to try and make up for The Last Jedi's holes and created a bunch of his own holes as well and didn't answer a lot of his own crazy mystery boxes that he likes to set up. So, The Last Jedi, out of the nine films, it is my ninth. It, it ranks ninth. I don't even want to call it my ninth favorite because it wasn't a favorite. I do have some angst towards it and I have a little angst towards Ryan Johnson. But that said, I am not at all a Rise of Skywalker hater. In fact, I enjoyed the movie from dun, 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 from the fanfare all the way through to the final credits. <laughs> I really, really liked the movie. Every minute of it. And I would rank it, you know, I'd give it a solid A-. minus, So like a 91. I'd be in the, the definitely the higher end of all those scores with like a 91%. Certainly there were a couple of issues, but nothing in the movie ruined it for me. Nothing in the movie, movie pulled me out of it. There was so much smile and so much feeling and so much uh, closure that I felt like as a lifelong literally lifelong Star Wars fan, I got the movie that I wanted to be the period on the sentence. So I don't know where so much of the backlash is coming from. Certainly there are some criticisms people could have. I have a couple of my own, but you know, I'm not a Sith, so I don't hate, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm of the opinion that it was a good movie and it was a really good uh, capstone on a fantastic franchise agree to disagree <laughs> alright so then Raylo did it make sense was it just fan service so this is a funny question because it does it make sense and then, or was it fan service I am not sure the fans were asking for that I mean I am a part of a lot of fan communities I you know I'm in the the Star Wars subreddit. I follow along to all the IGN Star Wars stories. I have pings that come up on my phone when anything Star Warsy happens. And I didn't see a whole lot of people asking for Raylo. So it's really weird that anyone would think that it, it, it was fan service 
particularly. Did it make sense? I guess that's a better question for me personally. I don't know that it necessarily made sense. When when it happens and you have that what moment, to, at least that's how my moment was like that what? Then you can certainly go back to the other films, the other two films in the sequel trilogy and start to put put things together to get you to a place where these two beings, these two people were getting more intimate and when, when i say intimate i don't necessarily mean that in the relationship way i mean it as two people who get closer and closer and closer together and start to see the innermost thoughts and feelings of another person so did it make sense you you could make it make sense it wasn't anything i was asking for and personally i think the movie could would have been fine without it yeah i think it's one of those things that the fan base was just moist about dude they were all over the place shipping raylo it was one of the dumbest things I've ever seen because they had zero chemistry. They were nothing but nemeses um, throughout the entire trilogy, with the exception of Ray seeing a whole Swolro, uh, Swolro, Kyle, Kyle, Kyle Swole, whatever. Ben Swallow. Ben Swallow, that's it. Ben Swallow, shirtless. And she blushed a little bit in their like force intergalactic Skype calls, which were dumb, by the way. But then like that was it that was the only element of any kind of connectivity between the two on any romantic level and it was simply because the dude was shirtless in an intergalactic force skype call and that just isn't a means to create a relationship on and everybody just went nuts and lost their minds over hey let's ship these two no they're they're they want to kill each other in fact they did so let it go let it go you shipping friendly nerds let the past die. Also, Leo, well, I love that we make fun of you so much for not knowing Star Wars. But even, you know, the... There, there is a part of me that just has to say I could, I would have been perfectly fine if they didn't have that moment. Like that, mm. it did. It, yeah. I don't want to say it broke me. It did, it, but it, as far as the the rise of Skywalker, that moment at the end there when they kissed, I thought what i don't really i mean i never i didn't see it coming it didn't feel like it was building towards that at any point you know certainly that you could make a case that that's but it, you know honestly it almost even cheapened what a relationship is and can be to me you don't fight someone and have a, that sort of that sort of adversarial relationship and then suddenly kiss there's something yeah. almost off about that so yeah I didn't, I didn't really care for the for Ray, though. I'm going to be honest. Right. It, it, in a lot of ways, it kind of reminded me of where some people had tried to find the relationship in Fifty Shades of Grey or have tried to find the relationship in, um, uh, in, in, in Twilight, where, like, when you look at it objectively, it is a toxic relationship. It's not at all what you hope to have with a significant other. It was bad. And the fact that people are insisting on this kind of makes me sad for them and their real-life relationships because what does that say about what they consider to be healthy? It's, it's bad juju, man. Well, in the film, Rey was revealed to be the granddaughter of Palpatine because apparently Palpatine How did you feel about this reveal? <laughs> Gross! <laughs> we don't know. It's the future. It's been like a back-to-tank insemination. Oh, that's even grosser. <laughs> so someone actually apparently did the math, and uh, conception of Ray's father would have been four years after the Empire was begun. Do it. 
so that's the uh, that's that. No, you're all welcome for that image. I also hate it. Uh, but anyway, how did you feel about this reveal? And how do you feel about her then abandoning that heritage to inherit the Skywalker name at the end of the film? I loved it, and I'll tell you why I loved it. Because I was broken inside after Ryan Johnson decided that she was supposed to be a nobody. That irritated the ever-loving crab me. Obviously, she was supposed to be a somebody. Obviously, there was something that was supposed to be happening with her heritage. And he wanted to say, no, there wasn't. So the fact that JJ turned it around and put it back where she actually was someone important to the saga, she fit into the, the nine film saga that we were all invested in absolutely made me feel fantastic i was very happy about it it wasn't the first time that i had heard that theory but you know prior to that it was just theories 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 we thought she could be anyone and the fact that it fell on palpatine in in hindsight is actually my favorite way it could have fallen because it shows that you can get away you can break your destiny and that destiny probably doesn't exist it really is more about choice it is about deciding who you're going to be and being that person rather than what you were even designed to be so i loved it i'm happy it was there um and of course uh, you know abandoning her, the heritage of palpatine i just said i love that that choice was there and she decided that she was going to be a skywalker and, and i think that choice is probably the most powerful ability we have as people in fact, I remember positing that Palpatine theory here on this very podcast. But I'm not going to toot my own horn about seeing the future, as I just did. But um, the idea that she was a Palpatine—I don't know. I thought it was—I thought it was a little forced. Um, even after I posited the theory, um, honestly, even after reevaluating some of the stuff that happened, uh, particularly in the original trilogy, the idea that Palpatine somehow survived. <laughs> the destruction of the Death Star somehow survived um, uh, Darth Vader's um, sacrifice to end him. I don't know. It cheapened a lot of stuff that existed in uh, the previous Star Wars. Uh, it, it made Anakin's arc kind of worthless because Palpatine didn't actually die. Yes, he came around to good, but he didn't actually accomplish anything. Um, Palpatine was pulled out of a hat, I think, after Ryan Johnson decided to go rogue um, on his movie, and Abrams had to figure out how to reconcile it. Um, he had made Snoke originally, and I think that was supposed to be the villain for the trilogy, but Ryan Johnson um, is a... Um, is a and, uh, you know, we may need to... we may need to edit that out, but... Uh, he was just uh, not having it. He wasn't a game or a team player when it comes to making a trilogy. And he did everything he could to undermine what had been established. And Abrams had to figure out how to make this thing work. So he pulled Palpatine out of a hat because it's a name that most uh, watchers of Star Wars would understand without really understanding the implications of making Palpatine still live. Unfortunately, it undermines quite a bit. Everything that was supposed to be a finale uh, in the previous Star Wars is no longer a finale. If someone can survive the destruction of the Death Star, it means that even watching him vaporize in this latest iteration of Star Wars doesn't mean he's dead. He can come back because, oh, oh, he just didn't die. It was dark force, dark side powers that, you know, some, some would say are unnatural. Um, and that's all that needs to be said about the fact that he just isn't dead yet. 
uh, to me was silly. And I, I thought it undermined quite a bit of previous Star Wars canon that I wasn't happy to say goodbye to in order for him to live and be the bad guy again. Star Wars tends to do that. It takes, you know, it it, it likes planet-killing technology and it likes to bring people back from, or villains especially, back from the dead. I think that it fits right in with Star Trek, Star Wars, to be perfectly honest. And I think that there were plenty of hints, if you go back and look at the, the sequels, that Rey was intended to be a Palpatine all along. I don't think he pulled that name out of a hat. I think that there are enough visual hints and enough clues to, to think that the intention was for her, her to be a Palpatine, at least in the original meetings prior to um, The Force Awakens. Ooh, um, I don't see that at all. Like, I mean, they used the same lightsaber style out of the blue. Um, her name is even kind of hinted at the, you know, Rey means, the uh, ruler means empress, emperor, you know, being the child of the emperor. There's, there's plenty of clues there, I think, um, that, that say, so for instance, then, if you're looking at like it being a, a dichotomy or a versus, you've got uh, Kylo Ren, who's the grandson of Vader, and then you've got the granddaughter of Palpatine. I mean, this this whole saga is really about the Palpatine uh, Skywalker spiral. I mean, it, in a lot of ways, it makes a lot of narrative sense. It makes a, it's kind of poetic justice that she was a Palpatine. I think that it's beautiful in a way, and, and I'm glad that they landed on it. Their, their, um, their musical themes, Palpatine's theme um, that John Williams wrote, is very similar to, to Ray's theme. I think John Williams was probably in on it from the beginning. Um, I don't know. I think it's pretty pretty good storytelling, personally. I, I, I don't know. The, the idea of... So, were a lot of things that um, Kylo Ren even said to, to Ray um, about her parents that was like twisted into oh no he didn't mean her parents were nobody he meant her parents tried to be nobody but like he said a bunch of stuff like they they sold you for drinking money like a whole a whole bunch of stuff that like it, it ryan johnson completely went off the rails with his interpretation of who ray was from who she was of and I, I think unless everyone within that movie was lying about Ray's parentage which I mean I'm not I'm not saying that that's not possible um, it just doesn't make sense that they would then they would lie about it and then later say no 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 I was telling you the truth the whole time and somehow try and twist the kind of nonsense they said uh, in in the last Jedi do you mean to the truth do you mean you it was true from a certain point of view <laughs> no, <don't>. <laughs> <laughs> because i feel like that's probably even original selling you for drinking money is not a point of view <laughs> well we can we can go be one kenobi because he had that may be what he told the person they sold ray to oh we right. need drinking money take our time oh yeah so yeah. one person thought it was true so from a certain point of view Oh, no. <laughs> I'm just saying that, <laughs> that it is absolutely possible that it was true from a certain point of view. I, I mean, in an out of character, out of narrative world, I do think Ryan Johnson was trying to throw his stink on Star Wars. And I do think he probably took some plans 
and said, no, we really have to change everything so that Star Wars is something different than it ever was. And I don't like what he did with Star Wars, and I don't like what he was trying to do with the characters, and I don't like that movie. <laughs> but I do think Rise of Skywalker, which we're talking about today, rounded it out beautifully. I thought J.J. took some of that was actually serendipitous. Like, I thought that some of the stuff that he fixed made it even a little bit better. So the fact that it was broken and then got fixed actually gave it some redemptive value. The fact, you know, it was re relatively uh, devastating that uh, that's what I almost said Snape. Like we're talking about um, Harry Potter. <laughs> Harry Potter. That Snape Snoke... is one of my favorite characters. <laughs> no, yeah, I got off. I got off genre. That Snoke was. Uh, I mean, you see that scene in Rise of Skywalker where there's all those Snokes in that cloning tank, and then it, it, like it. All you needed was that visual image to think all of it was a lie. Everything was a deceit. The whole thing was set up by the Emperor from the beginning, and that is absolutely in character with who Palpatine was. Sheev Palpatine was a master manipulator from day one. From episode one, he is the Phantom Menace. So it would make perfect sense that he's still trying to manipulate and twist things even as, as time goes on after his survival. So him having this, this Snoke persona to you know, affect his will on the galaxy that, that tank made all of it make sense for me. That cutting in half of um, Snoke in um, in Last Jedi pissed me off. But that tank made me think, oh, he was in fact nobody. This was all a big ploy going on. It fixed it for me. And I thought JJ did a great job of fixing things for me as a fan. I think JJ also messed a lot of stuff up in, in this rendition. This is a master manipulator who creates a fleet of starships, who creates a fleet of star destroyers, with all of their crews and whatnot in series. Okay, as, as unbelievable as that nonsense can be, but then doesn't give them shields within an atmosphere, and then has to, like, they don't know what up is in order to get out of the atmosphere without some kind of guiding tower? Like, there's just there are so many silly little MacGuffins and silly plot contrivances in order to make the good guys win that undermine the genius that is supposed to be Palpatine, where he's supposed to be this brilliant strategist who has created this generations-long plot, and he still fails to account for the most immediate of concerns when it comes to the heroes that are supposed to be in this particular movie. They roll in, and they're like, oh, these ships can't go up. What ship can't go up without a, a tower? Like, Bro, that is Star Wars. Did it's you see? idiotic. It Did you see idiotic. A New Hope? There's a womp rat-sized hole that if you shoot, a whole moon blows up. That's yes, how they and they made a the whole front. movie to try and account for that silly well, plot Well, give hole. us some time and we'll get a movie about why those <laughs> ships didn't have and shields. The can't go It'll up? just take it 20 was... years or so. It'll take 20 years or so there'll be a movie out to explain it. You just gotta have faith in the franchise, baby. <laughs> I have no faith. Lack of faith and perhaps indeed of hatred. The sequel series has gotten a good bit of it. Um, but aside from the series long redemption arc, let's talk about Kylo Ren's redemption arc. A lot of people have said that Adam Driver has helped carry the entire series with his performance. And how do you feel about characters' ultimate passing into the Force? Adam Driver did carry the series, let's be honest. I, I, I think that, you know, Ray and her actress were great. Adam Driver is a brilliant actor. I mean, we've seen that in 
you know that, that wedding movie that just came out in girls he's just a really really good actor and what he gave to the character of kylo ren did make us feel something he did appear tortured he did appear appear broken he did look sad and victorious when he killed his father he did look rede redeemed after he you know embraced the light i think that he really did carry if you look at an emotional arc if you look up a, at a character arc of the film of the three films it's kylo ren's that we're all going to look back on and think hmm it's a pretty good series it wasn't ray's ray's arc really wasn't that great um it was just kind of a straight line kylo ren's is he's the character that changed from beginning to end and that's the one that to me gave you know some real heart to the films yeah, you brought up Ray. Ray to me wasn't there was no arc whatsoever. She started amazing and she ended amazing. Like she was the best thing ever. And th there just was no arc for her. No challenge, no development, no arc. She just was awesome from beginning to end. Kylo, however, okay, Adam Driver, a great actor, but he looked like a pouting teenager from every shot I ever saw him in. Um, granted, he was supposed to be tortured, and well, he looked like a pouting teenager. And then he was supposed to be um, considering his heritage, and he looked like a pouting teenager. And then, uh, okay, well, maybe he is redeemed. No, he looks like a pouting teenager. He was, uh, now this isn't his fault, and Adam Driver, again, is a phenomenal actor. He looked dumb for the role. He just was not a villain. He doesn't have a villain face. He has a pouty teenager face in every single shot I have seen him in. And it's... I hate to undermine his acting cred because I've seen him in other stuff and he's good. He's very, very good. But this just... He just didn't fit any of the roles that I hoped he would fit. When he took off his helmet... Honestly, when he took off his helmet as Kylo Ren for the first time, I laughed because he looked like a pouty teenager. And I was like, this can't be for real. He just doesn't have the look. But So yeah, I'm not trying to burst it. your bubble here, but have you watched any of the other trilogies? Because we have uh, some real teen angst going on with whiny Luke Skywalker. And yeah, Hope but he wasn't and supposed Hayden to Christensen, be who the, the like, dark villain. Sam's a sucky man. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the, the tone, right? I do want to point out, Kylo Ren is 33. Yeah, yeah he looks like he's 15. I don't know. I... <laughs> I thought he did fantastic. I thought he great gave a great performance. His, He's his a great actor. I don't mean to undermine it. He just didn't look the part. Is well, is my only point. I mean, like I guess he, if we're just it was so up. miscast. Oh no, it was not. I don't know who could have done it better. He's he's got a range that's unbelievable, and they, I mean, that is the point. He had that angst of a solo child of a Skywalker legacy, and he he, he was twisted inside because of it. I'm not saying it wasn't conflicted, and I'm not saying that Adam Driver can't portray conflicted. He has the face of an angsty 15-year-old, and that doesn't spell villain to me. That spells, uh, dude, your car privileges are taken away because you're being an well, that's, that's what that spells to looks. me. Like that's just how Adam Driver looks. You can't change the way yes, a person but looks. You have to, to you have to account for that in your casting. But I mean you have the option of when you cast Hayden Christensen, a beautiful young nubile teen, <laughs> when you when you when you cast 
Mark Hamill as a young innocent face. Like that's part of they they chose him for a reason. They cast him with that face for a reason. Adam and Driver wasn't a big somebody before. Sure, he had plenty of successful work before Star Wars, but they picked that face because that's the face they wanted us to see. Right. That he had was dark the... hair and he has dark <laughs> eyes, so he can look dark side. Do you know how many? How, how many I had a buddy who actually auditioned for that role. He, he's a he's an actor. He does he's done some TV. He's he's relatively. I don't want to say famous. He's he's had some success. He is a beautiful young man. They didn't want that. They chose a look like Adam Driver. They wanted that particular set of features. They to wanted tell the, the story. angsty teenager for a 33 year old role. Also, hard to disagree with both on Adam Driver being the one that carried the series. When I watch these movies, I will be to watch them for Poe and for Finn. And also, no, they were both fantastic too. I totally agree. Now they needed to be gay together, and the fact that they didn't do it shows me <laughs> that nobody in Hollywood has any balls. I do think that would have been really interesting. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to see that. Now they, that's how they were playing it. I, nobody can tell me any different. Those two actors were playing it that those two men were in love. The well, they were, they were playing it in the very first movie for a bit, and then Ryan Johnson decided no, and like completely threw, thrust them apart, and then they never came back together. They did my heart. <laughs> they did my heart. <laughs> they did my heart. I have a whole fanfic about it. In <laughs> my head, gonna draw some pictures for us. <laughs> Um, so how do you guys feel about the voices of the Jedi past resurfacing long enough to encourage Rey in the film's climax? Cool moment? That's how I feel about Meh. it. Meh. Amazing. Amazing. And here's why. Because it gave validity to every canonized uh, Star Wars show. It gave a big fat thumbs up to a big fat thumbs up to Clone Wars. It gave a big thumbs up to Rebels, and of course, gave a big hug back to the films prior. You've got a disparate production across decades of, of animated to live action to another animated. You've got actors who stepped up to this film to lend their voices to characters that were relatively obscure in the grand scheme of Star Wars. And it, to me, those moments, that moment, when you heard those voices that you have known for a long, long time in these, from original to Clone Wars to Rebels, it touched my soul. It absolutely moved me, especially because the, especially because I was a huge fan of Rebels and hearing Kanan Jarrus, AKA Caleb Dume speak, it, it just, something about that got to my, my heart. And then, I mean, Mace Windu, we had Hayden Christensen came back. You got to hear even uh, the original Obi-Wan Kenobi, help me, Alec Guinness. All those voices from 40 years of Star Wars were in that moment of we're all there, we're all with you. There, there's, come on, that was the best moment in the movie. I think it bowel moved me. Um, it was, it was a cheap trick to validate what is a garbage movie um, that has invalidated much of what the series and the genre has accomplished as far as good storytelling in the past. This was not a good movie, and it instead capitalized on the nostalgia of better works, better actors, better characters, better character arcs, better stories, and it took them and it threw them all together and conglomerated them into this garbage, nonsensical, 
uttering in this horrible movie. And I hated it. Ouch. How could you hate it? Like, you don't have a soul. I've decided. <laughs> there is, there's no way you can hate that. You got to hear Mace Windu. You no, it is taking, it. it is as if taking some of the brilliance of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, taking some of those great characters <laughs> and, and thrusting them into The Hobbit, which is garbage, Guys, we've and saying it makes this good. Well, everyone gets to be wrong sometimes. Today's Leo's day. Moving on. <laughs> we are incredibly over time already. But let's go ahead and do this very long segment with an important discussion. Uh, Carrie Fisher. Her appearance in Skywalker and her final passing to the Force. Her assistance in redeeming Kylo Ren. Did this movie do our late Princess Leia justice? It's. I'm just going to say really quickly because I know we're short on time. The job was really hard to pay her justice because Carrie Fisher died. And so it's really hard to take existing footage and then camera tricks and put together something that is meaningful and deep. I thought with what they had and what they were trying to do, they honored her and I was appreciative of it. I, I liked the fact, I mean, to boil it all down, I liked the fact in the fact in the final moments of the film when we were on back on Tatooine that we got to see Luke and Leia together as Force ghosts, and I thought that was probably for me a very sweet final nod to to both the princess and Carrie Fisher. Hundred percent same. Um, there's a big part of me that wondered if we, we didn't know that Carrie Fisher had passed. If if a lot of the scenes that we saw with Leia and some of the weirdness of like camera angles and the stuff that they were trying to do to pass it off that um, she was really there. I, I wondered, would we notice, would we would we really be paying attention if we didn't know this, you know, um, out of character um, fact about her passing? And the truth is, I don't want to know. I don't, I don't, I'd, I'd rather not. I'd, I'd rather um, continue to try and remember her as the person and the actress. And then of course the character um, of Leia as as we all knew her so um, I try not honestly I try not to think about that too much and I just want that to be you know the thing that's left untouched untapped um, as cynical and as critical as I am I tried really hard not to be about those elements and just let them be fans and haters alike it, it may seem that Star Wars has fallen into a rather deep pit um, perhaps fallen into the depths of the Death Star as it explodes again. But let's not forget, a new season of The Clone Wars is on its way this month. The Kenobi series has not been cancelled and will come out one day, and The Mandalorian was gold and is returning sooner than you might think. The beloved franchise may not be on its rise right now, but there is always new hope. It is the last time of the season, and that means I'm taking my own segment back again. I've gone mad with my imaginary power, and you all get to suffer for it. Hello, captive you audience. It is my TED talk. My TED talk. <laughs> yes! In! Alright, so for the end of the session, I wish I had one of my wild questions um, that I, for reference, for those of you who are listening in the warm-ups, 
and preseason episodes that we worked on, uh, I threw some some really off the wall questions at them, like you know, what would you rather find in your attic, a, a thousand roaches or a human person? Um, sadly, I did not have roaches. one of, of quite that caliber, but I did think that this would be a nice opportunity to sort of say goodbye to people for even just a little while um, by telling them two truths and a lie. Oh no, we have to come up with two truths and a lie? Oh lord. Two truths and a lie, and then the other two of us will try to guess which one of them is true and which one is the lie. Guide us. Who goes first? Alright, Chase, go ahead. You can go first. Here are my three things. True truths, one lie. I was a sous chef and manager of an Italian restaurant. I was born in Naples, Italy. My first computer was an Apple IIe. And we have to guess your lie? Yeah, you have to guess my lie. Um, okay, it's either the computer or the manager is the lie. I'm going to go with the computer. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like you're that old. I think, I think it's the computer, yeah. Okay. Computer was the lie. Good job, you guys. We're hey. actually close friends. You guessed it because it's true. I was born in Naples, Italy, and I was a manager and sous chef of an Italian restaurant. Excellent work. An Apple IIe was not my first computer. Watch that like not even be a real computer model. We're just both like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Sounds legit. All right. Mine, I was a cook at Waffle House. I was a captain in the U.S. Army, and I was born in Fulda, Germany. I know the answer. I'm going to go with the Waffle House one. I believe that the lie that was you were born in Germany. The lie was that I was born in Germany. I was technically born in Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Technically? Uh, what do you mean you were two, technically two. born well, somewhere? I was only there for like six months and then we moved because my dad was in the army. So <laughs> I mean, I, you were either born there or I was were. born, okay, yes, I was born in Fort Campbell, Kentucky. I no memory of the place whatsoever, so I don't, I don't know it at all. T, you're up. Go, girl. All right. There is technically a chance that I will inherit a title in the Scottish peerage. I I've taken part in six different sports, and I am deathly afraid of pufferfish. Did you say pufferfish puffer beer fish? is real? That's real. Be afraid of pufferfish. What the those, fuck is, I mean, what those, the heck is scary about a pufferfish? <laughs> those things will kill you. Uh, um, but everything else seems so legit. Like, well, six is a significant number. Like, she said six sports. It could be seven or five. Oh, well, yeah, that could be a total jinx. I'm going to go with the sports thing, too. Good call. Yeah, me too. Sports. Um, I am not actually deathly afraid of her. Fish, oh, instead, very wary of... See, I knew there you was nothing to be, be afraid, afraid of. of. I knew that that was a dumb fear. No one would have it. They'll kill you if you eat them wrong. There is 
technically a chance that I will inherit a title from the Scottish peerage. Um, my great grandmother owns a um, owns two different sections of land. They are both the very impressive estates, being of two square feet, um, and again, it is a very technicality. I haven't even inherited the title because I'm too many steps away right now. Um, but otherwise, I would be a lady of. Uh, I don't remember the names of the land off the top of my head. I'd have to look. But did you say yeah. two square you... feet? <laughs> yep. You just have to. Girl, kill I wouldn't be bragging about though, that. Right? That feels like you're clinging to something. It is. No, no, no. Uh, How many siblings actually... do you have to knock off to get it? Um, I'm actually the eldest of my sibling branch, but I'd have to like. There, there's some cousins in the way. Um, okay. Do you need we any can help? Take care of that. that. Yeah. No, yeah. No, but he was a the... captain in the army. We kill people yeah. now. <laughs> and I you were born in Italy, so you have that. diplomatic yeah. immunity. It's great. Nice. You let's thought Solomani was something. Just wait. We're going to start offing <laughs> Scottish royalty. Yes, let's talk offline. We'll get this done. <laughs> yeah, but no, no. The um, program is actually where you can buy a sack of land in a <laughs> Scottish wildlife and nature preserve. So that way, that's how they maintain the area and keep it safe from development. So fair. did we call you Lady T, or is there like a Scottish accent to like Lady T? <laughs> Uh, I think it would just be lady, but again, I haven't inherited that yet, so we're gonna we're gonna wait and see. Milady. Great. That's my Scottish m'lady. accent. Milady. Is that is that Scottish? Milady. Well, if you guys would like to submit a tea time question for the next season of the podcast, head on over to soakinggaming.com/soakinmedia and find the submission bar on the right hand side of the page. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the season four finale of the Soakin Podcast. For more Soakin Media, visit us at SoakinGaming.com slash SoakinMedia, follow our Twitter at SoakinGaming, and subscribe to our YouTube, Soakin Gaming Community, and look for future episodes of the podcast on Google Podcasts and iTunes. Before we sign off, any final remarks for the audience, boys? Man, thanks for listening. I would just like to say thank you, Lady T, for providing us this awful Scottish accent. That was Scottish? I thought it was choking <laughs> on your tongue. It has been immortalized. Freedom. Freedom. Tea lady. Until next time, I've been Tea. I've been Jace. I've been Leo. And we'll see you guys after a few weeks off for season five. Stay classy, Soken. Thank you for listening to the Sokin Community Podcast. Craving more? Visit us on Twitter and YouTube at Sokin Gaming, as well as our website, www.sokingaming.com. Until next time, stay classy. Right, Jace? <laughs>